0: Thank mm-hmm. you. Thank you.
1: Welcome to our Good Friday service. I want to invite you to take on a posture of contemplation as through scripture, through song, we are reminded of the last hours of Jesus' life. The night before, Jesus gathered those closest to him and brought them together in the intimacy of an upper room. He washed their feet. He prayed over them, strengthening them, promising the Spirit to come upon them. Only later in the garden, as he agonized, would they sleep. As he was handed over, they would betray him. When he suffered, they scattered and left him alone. We invite you to enter into the darkness of this night, to the final hours of his life, and in that way to receive the invitation to take up your cross and follow.
2: Holy day, we come to the place of the skull the place of the cross, the place of our salvation. In the face of such suffering, show us the face of our Savior. In the shadow of such evil, show us the light of your grace. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.
3: Jesus went out, as usual, to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, Pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw away, knelt down, and he prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, and yet not my will but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly. His sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. When he rose from prayer and went back to the disciples, he found them asleep, exhausted from sorrow. Why are you sleeping? He asked them, get up and pray that you will not fall into temptation. While he was still speaking, a crowd came up, and the man who was called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them he approached Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus asked him, Judas, are you betraying the son of man with a kiss? Meanwhile, Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Yes, it is as you say, Jesus replied. When he was accused by the chief priests and the elders, he gave no answer. Then Pilate asked him, don't you hear the testimony they are bringing against you? But Jesus made no reply, not even to a single charge to the great amazement of the governor. When Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, but that instead an uproar was starting, he took water and washed his hands in front of the crowd. I am innocent of this man's blood, he said. It is your responsibility. He had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified.
2: giver of life, we wait with you to offer the hope that comes from the cross to the earth's darkest places where pain is deep and affection is denied. Let love break through. Where justice is destroyed, let sensitivity to right spring up. Where hope is crucified, let faith persist. Where peace has no chance. Let passion live on where truth is trampled underfoot. Let the struggle continue, where fear paralyzes. Let forgiveness break through. Eternal God, reach into the silent darkness of our souls with the radiance of the cross. O you who are the bearer of all pain, have mercy on us. Giver of life, have mercy on us. Merciful God, have mercy on us, amen.
3: As they were going out, they met a man from Cyrene named Simon, and they forced him to carry the cross.
2: Holy are you, God of redemption, and blessed is Jesus Christ, our servant, our Savior. When the hour had come, he got up from grace's side, took off his glory, tied humanity around his heart to cleanse us of our sins. In the midst of his friends, in the congregation of his enemies, he kept the promises made to you to love us to the very end. Our friend he welcomed all. Our teacher, he modeled the life of obedience and faith. Our redeemer, he endured the snares of death, that we might have life with you. Amen.
3: When the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes, dividing them into four shares, one for each of them, with the undergarment remaining. This garment was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. Let's not tear it, they said to one another. Let's decide by lot who will get it. This happened that the scripture might be fulfilled, which said they divided my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. So this is what the soldiers did. It was the third hour when they crucified him. The written notice of charge against him read, The King of the Jews. They crucified two robbers with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, So, you who were going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, come down from the cross and save yourself. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law mocked him among themselves. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. Let this Christ, this King of Israel, come down from the cross that we may see and believe. Those crucified with him also heaped insults upon him.
2: Christ Jesus was despised and rejected. We thought nothing of him. He was oppressed and afflicted. We hid our faces from him. He bore our sickness and sin. We refused to partake in his suffering. We like sheep have gone astray, yet he, like a lamb, was led to the slaughter. Lamb of God, have mercy on us. Lamb of God, have mercy on us. Amen.
3: At the sixth hour, darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing near him heard this, they said, listen, he's calling Elijah. One man ran, filled a sponge with wine vinegar, put it on a stick, and offered it to Jesus to drink.
1: A reading from John chapter 19 verse 30. When he had received the drink Jesus said, It is finished. With that he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. The word of the Lord. Good Friday is the definitive expression of the Christian gospel. The centrality of the cross on this day marks it apart from spirituality in general because it is relentlessly focused on the person of Jesus. There's no Christianity without the cross, which means that there can be no faith in Jesus without the call to take up the cross. Pastor and theologian Dietrich Ponhofer put it, well when he wrote that without the cross the only grace on offer comes cheaply because it's the kind of grace that we bestow upon ourselves this is a grace without sin, a grace without confession a grace without discipleship but it is a grace that cannot save us from ourselves note the disciple There is a cost to being a disciple. But it is a grace because it is a call to follow Jesus. It's costly because it meant that God had to offer up his beloved Son. Grace because through such an offering we may be called children of God. Costly because it is a call to lose our lives. The grace, because that's the only way that we can find life. The boldness to take up the costly grace of the cross is actually nowhere to be found in Jesus' first disciples as the story of Holy Week unfolds. While Jesus is submitting his body and his soul to abandonment by the Father, To the brutality of the cross for the sake of the world, his disciples are each scrambling to cover their flanks, which makes them easily the most relatable characters of the Holy Week story. We're trained in all sorts of ways by our culture to avoid the call to take up our cross. And while the gospel makes clear that the point of our lives is not to experience the cross, but rather the resurrected life It is also equally clear that there can be no new life without first laying down the old. This point is made very clear by the words pronounced at baptism. You have been crucified with Christ. You are risen to new life. Good Friday reminds us that the path to freedom runs through a life surrendered to the cross. And on Good Friday, we remember that Jesus' surrender looked to all the world as though the darkness wins. We know what it's like to wonder why so often it still looks like the darkness wins. We know what it's like to see the shadows gather. It doesn't take a whole lot of imagination to think of the spaces in our own lives that are perhaps more visible by the dim light of Good Friday than they are by the glorious light of Easter. Can't help but think that as we are gradually blowing out these candles, how it mirrors what we do during Advent. During that time of the year, we see and we celebrate the coming of the King, we see more and more light coming into the sanctuary, the candle of joy, and then peace, followed by hope and love, and then a fifth candle on Christmas Day, letting us know that the light has come to be with us. But tonight, the light disappears. The light that came to illuminate the darkness of the world gets snuffed out, and We know what it's like to experience the darkness, broken promises, lost hopes, expectant prayers met with silence that turn into laments of, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Friday is an invitation to sit with Jesus in the darkness, to ponder the depth of God's love made manifest in his cross-shattered body, to know that as he carried his cross to Golgotha, while he stumbled under the weight, he got up, and he did so for you, for me. As we experience the darkness of this sanctuary, I want to reflect on just a a few moments on these last words spoken by Jesus on the cross, Are words that only appear in John's gospel, but words that if we didn't have them, there would be nothing good about Good Friday at all. When Jesus finished the cup, he said, it is finished. It's actually only one word in the Greek, tetelestai. It's the perfect tense of the word telos, which describes the end or the purpose of a thing. It refers to a past act that has also got an ongoing present force to it. It's a word that would be written down on the top of a bill that had been paid. It's something that happened at a point in time, but something that has force that carries into the future. So much hangs on this word. But you might be pressed to wonder, what exactly is it that has been finished? Because for all the world, to all the disciples, all that they see is that the life that they had walked with, the life that they had shared meals with, that they had prayed with, that they had enjoyed fellowship with, the one that they broke bread with, the one that they placed their hope in, the one whom Pilate called the king of the Jews, the one they were ready to crown king the week before. It's also the one that they they saw mocked and beaten, the one led to this cross. That life has now been finished. But Jesus' last word is not a cry of abandonment, but a declaration that the story that began in creation is finding its crescendo. promise that while the darkness may still have done its work, so has the revelation of God. That the mission that Jesus came to undertake, to reconcile heaven and earth, to undo the power of sin and death, that has been paid in full. All of which means that all the pain and brokenness that we carry all the ways that we see the darkness pressing in, all of the mistakes and errors and failures, all the brokenness and divisions and illnesses that keep us from knowing and seeing God, they are finished too. They've been completed, fully paid by the one who has freed us. And so the rest of our lives are the unfolding of that purpose completed on a Friday Friday, on its way to being completed in us. It's the work on which we can stake our lives. And it means that we live in this tension of what has been done, what will be done, what is being done, and what has happened once and for all. And maybe that tension is the most difficult place to be. Because we always want to rush to the end. We want to rush to the glory of the resurrection. But Good Friday is a reminder that the place of disciples is always that place in between. So as we gather tonight, in this place of conflict and agony, it's also the place of new life that was barely yet on the horizon. It's a place where it only looks like death has the last word. Only for us to find that there is a word after that. Thanks be to God.
3: Now, it was the day of preparation, and the next day was to be a special Sabbath. Because the Jewish leaders did not want the bodies left on the crosses during the Sabbath, they asked Pilate to have the legs broken and the bodies taken down. The soldiers, therefore, came and broke the legs of the first man who had been crucified with Jesus, and then those of the other. But when they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water.
2: Let us join with all the saints in all cultures and ages in this profession of faith, saying, My only comfort in life and in death is that I am not my own by his Holy Spirit assures me of eternal life and makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on to live for him.
3: It was Preparation Day, that is the day before the Sabbath. So as evening approached Joseph of Arimathea a prominent member of the council, who was himself waiting for the kingdom of God, went boldly to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Pilate was surprised to hear that he was already dead. Summoning the centurion, he asked him if Jesus had already died. When he learned from the centurion that it was so, he gave the body to Joseph. So Joseph bought some linen cloth, took down the body, wrapped it in linen, and placed it in a tomb cut out of rock. Then he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb.
4: When I saw the parade Thank you.